Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekend Rental Podcast. This is episode number two, our highest numbered episode yet. Amazing. My name is Ryan. Along with me, we've got Andy. Hey. And Justin. Hey. How is everyone doing? I think we're doing well. How was your fourth? I guess good. You know, there weren't a lot of fireworks in it, but at least I got a break from work. How about you guys? That's not fair. I mean, you're the one who actually gets to live in the place of legal fireworks. Oh, that's true. But it's not legal anywhere near my house, which is a bummer. Yeah, that's true. Mine well, was pretty good. We uh, didn't do any fireworks or anything, but we had a couple parades, so kids enjoyed that. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, we just went down to beach for a few hours. It was nice to actually get some, like, warm weather for a change with just the weird start to July we had. Right. Nobody blew a finger off, though, so that's great. <laughs> no. No. Seen on line, somebody got their eye blown out, though. That's pretty sweet. Ugh, a bottle rocket, or how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it must have been a bottle rocket. They shot them at, they were shooting at each other. Well, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the person right in the eye. Actually, I shouldn't talk. I remember growing up when we were teenagers, we would just buy like the big packets of bottle rockets, and then we would get like four guys out in a field, and you'd do bottle rocket wars. Yep. You can get pretty accurate with those things after a while. I always remember people, uh, we'd be riding our bikes in town when we were growing up, and people in cars would drive by shooting them at us out the window. See, I remember that, but I remember it with Roman candles, which is so much worse. Like, that's terrifying as a child. Yeah, it's like getting shot by a rainbow. (laughs) Scars kids for lives. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Well, it was good to have some time off, though. I mean, celebrate our independence. It might be the last year, so, you know, gotta really party it out. Uh, so, any other exciting news? Are you guys just been taking it easy? Pretty much. Just been playing games, watching movies. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've been at, too. We actually, um, speaking of fourth, we did this, like, on the third, rented a couple movies from Redbox, um. Have you guys seen Logan at all? I have. Yeah. Were you as impressed with that as I was? Yeah. It's <laughs> it's definitely excellent. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so dark. I mean, it's almost more like a a dark drama or something. I mean, it's it's really not about, you know, the focus isn't on superheroes as much as it is just the weird reality of somebody with superpowers aging, which I did not expect. It kind of remind me of like those old westerns where, yeah, like the old guy, you know, making his last stand type thing, you know. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I I was pretty impressed with. I think that's by far the best thing you've seen Wolverine in. Uh, you know, the other Wolverine films have not been the best, but I was I was pretty impressed with that. It, it's almost a little depressing, but you know, it was good. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people told me, oh, it's rated R, it's, it's pretty violent. And it's like, 
they weren't kidding. Like I was surprised how how far off the deep end they went. I thought they just got the R rating just to say they could get an R rating, but they went for it. Yeah, yeah. Within the first opening scene, there was just so much blood and gore. I heard Hugh Jackman like would not waver on it getting R. He wanted to make the film that way, so I guess he even took a pay cut um, to make up for the loss in revenue. They'd get the box office with an R rating. Wow. I don't know if that's true, but that's just what I had heard. Which, if that's the case, it's kind of impressive. Yeah, but he's done now, I think, right? Yeah, I think this was his his farewell to the character, which, I mean, it's been, I don't know, how many years have the X-Men movies been around? 15, 20? I mean, I'm trying to remember when the first one came out. Early 2000s, I think? Yeah, that sounds right. It was, it was a good send-off, I thought. A good way to end it. And then, um... Onto a less stellar movie, but one I jo- enjoyed almost as much as Logan was Power Rangers. Have you guys seen this Power Rangers reboot? I have not. I do want to see both of Logan and the Power Rangers, though. But So, Andy, have you seen it? No, I've, I haven't seen it either yet. It's so good. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's the most amazing movie ever. It's full of high school, you know, angsty, trope-type characters, but man... Is that a fun movie to watch? And I was like such a fan of the original season or so of of the first Power Ranger, um, you know, adaptation for the U.S. as a kid, and this kind of just nails it. And they even got—I was blown away—they got Brian Cranston as Zordon, which is kind of mind blowing. Yeah, wow. But who's the who's Alpha though? That's the real question. Is Alpha the little robot guy? Yeah, the like flying saucer disc head. Okay. Yeah, he's so he's a little bit more. He's different. I'll say that. I don't know. I can't place the voice, but he's like this little short interpretation, kind of a smartass, this go around. He doesn't do the III thing. I think he might have said it like once in the movie, <laughs> you know, kind of as like a callback to that. Um, it was good, though. I mean, it's. It was better than it had any right to be, I felt, felt like. And they had a couple cameos from the pink and the green ranger. Uh, my kids really got into it. They've never even seen the Power Rangers before. Uh, and yeah, it's a good ride. I would I would recommend checking it out. And the best the best part is my daughter knew what the movie was through the trailers, and there's a there's a long lead up to them getting their powers in this movie, leading up to the battle. And the whole time she's just like yelling at them as they're training, like, "You're the Power Rangers. Just turn into the Power Rangers." <laughs> I'm like, I don't think they've gotten that far in the movie yet, honey. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, we'll get there. <laughs> they just think they're high school kids right now, so it's not going to work out. That's pretty good. They have the original theme in it, then? I mean, um, The theme was different. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I think they had something that was close to it. Um, but yeah, it was really good. And the guy they got to play Billy is just hilarious in this one. He plays like a super nerdy, scrawny, like outcast sort of character. It's just a lot of good comic relief. It was, it's enjoyable. I'll probably be picking that up on Blu-ray. Okay, now I need to see it. I thought for sure that it was like one of those things there that they would reboot it and just kind of change everything and just kind of ruin it. Yeah, no, I was, I was kind of the same as you. I'm like, ah, this is gonna be just kind of, you know, something I'll watch once and never go back to. But I think it might be the best bit of Power Rangers material I've ever seen. Definitely the best Power Rangers movie. <laughs> yes, that's true. I, I've seen both. I remember going to the first one in the theaters, and I was like borderline too old to be watching the original series at the time anyway. And then I like 
you know, snuck into that movie late in my hometown. You know, there's nobody near my age there. I'm probably like upper middle school at this point. Um, and just so disappointed with that, that movie. And the shame of gone to it, having gone to it. <laughs> when did it get released? The new movie or the original one? No, the new one. Uh, I think it was last, last year, summer, maybe fall. Can't remember. Okay. I can look it up. I guess I hadn't heard much about it until you were talking about it, what, like a month ago. Yeah. Or, well, not even a month ago, I suppose. It's good stuff. I, I highly recommend it. Hmm. Well, I went to see Spider-Man last night. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot they rebooted that. How This is a Marvel Spider-Man, yeah? Yep. Good? Yeah, it's, it's very good. I think it's probably... Like, I think those original Spider-Man movies are really, really good too. I don't, I haven't seen them in quite a while now, but I think I like this one even better than those old ones. I could see that. I, um, I, I would agree. I thought the original trilogy was decent for what it was at the time. Um, but I'm sure Marvel did a much better job with the character. Oh yeah. And it, they pretty much, you know, make callbacks to every other Marvel movie that they've been making too, so. He's kind of cemented into it now. and So now he's uh, officially in their universe. <clears throat> Although I guess he was in the Avengers, wasn't he? Yep. Or, yeah, the Avengers. Yep. Or, yeah, Civil War. Yeah. Civil War, there you go, yep. Yep. Hopefully no uh, comic book people are listening or I'm going to scold it in comments. <laughs> yeah. I really liked uh, Michael Keaton in it, too. He's like the villain. Really? Yep. Who is the main villain then? Vulture. Okay. Which is kind of funny because I think it was a couple of years ago, Michael Keaton won like the Academy Award for a movie called Birdman. Oh, that's right. I heard about Yeah, because he plays like kind of a defunct, like washed up superhero in that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure what the movie's about, really. That one, at least. Yeah. But yeah, this one, it's just funny that he ends up playing a, a Birdman too. Well, at least they went with an original villain that we haven't seen on screen yet. Right. Yeah. I think they will with the next one too. I'm not sure, but the, the only disappointment was they had a Ramon song in there and it was not the Spider-Man theme. Did the Ramones do the Spider-Man theme? Oh yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. Hmm. So which Ramon song was it? I'll give you one guess. Rock and roll high school. No. Blitzkrieg Bob, <laughs> of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, at least it's a good song, I guess. Yeah, it was just funny that I... It's like, oh yeah, the Ramones, and then they don't play the Spider-Man song. I thought for many years, like until very recently, that they were saying, let's keep up. And then I saw the name of the song, and I was like, oh! <laughs> that's not at all what they're saying. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It kind of sounds like it, though, right? Like, if right. you didn't know, let's keep up. I don't know. Right. I think the Ramones are kind of like the Bible. It's just open up to interpretation. <laughs> a lot of times. They say. Yeah, it sounds right. So Spider-Man gets your seal of approval on. Definitely. Go see it. Nice. And then um, Netflix got some gaming-related programming this last week here with Castlevania. The anime-ish, I guess, 
I heard it's like uh, Western animation, so it's not true anime. Oh, really? Apparently. Huh. Yeah, that's what I was... See, when I was watching it, I did get through the first four episodes. It felt to me kind of like um, stylized almost after like an Attack on Titan or something like that. Right. It's kind of what it reminded me of. I don't know. I mean, four episodes, 20 minutes. I think... I wish I had a... I wish it would have felt a little bit more like Castlevania, because really, you could have... Other than bringing in some of the characters you're familiar with, like the Belmonts, and... I mean, they didn't even use any of that music from the game. It could have been anything vampire-related, I felt like. Right. And, you know, they had, like, Cyclops, but beside that, they, there wasn't, like, other big monsters either, right? Right. And then, I, I thought the audio, once you got to the second episode, like, not the audio so much, but the scripting and the conversation was a little bit laughable um you know it's the belmont is the Tre- trevor belmont right gets yep. like kicked in the nuts like right away in that bar fight and he's like lay off my testicles or something i'm like <laughs> did that really just get said and there's another nut shot later on in the game when he's fighting um the other vampire but yeah there and there was a lot of f-bombs did not expect that Right, that that's that's it's almost like a disconnect where it's really like it wasn't like a good testicle joke either, you know? No, like right. It was just a like a nut joke, just to be there and <laughs> for the sake of a nut joke. For how violent an adult that show they've made that it it was kind of out of place. Yeah, well, and that was the other thing I was gonna bring up. Um, there was there was a very like strong like anti christian tone behind that which i could see rubbing some people the wrong way i mean it was i mean it is what it is it fits within the context of the show but man they really push that yeah for sure then the only thing i didn't like was the that scene leading up to the end there because they they make it into such a big deal that this town is under siege and all these demons are attacking and then trevor belmont assembles like four ragtag dudes with pitchforks and they defeat three demons and then all of a sudden they've won the day i I didn't understand (laughs) that like last time i checked there was a few thousand of these guys like ripping the heads off of women and children but and then like the biggest fight in the whole show which i guess it's kind of a spoiler i don't know yeah go for it the big fight at the end is basically against alucard Mm -hmm. and then they just immediately end up being teammates (laughs) so yeah yeah, that was um, a weird way to end it. I, I Again, I, I didn't mind it. I just felt like the whole thing was like a lead-up to something. I don't feel like it progressed anywhere, really. Um, right. I mean, and outside the first episode, you didn't really get any character work for Dracula. Right. Yep. And the animation was good. I mean, I was impressed with that. But it's kind of one of those things, after having watched it, I don't know that I'm going to care when the next set of episodes get published. Because... I could kind of take it or leave it. I, I wasn't pulled into it. I mean, I just kind of got through it because I knew it was only going to take me an hour and a half, 20 minutes. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe they can do some more fan service the next round of episodes. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys watch any speed running? I did not. I watched a little bit on Twitch um, while Sean had gone there. And uh, I watched some of the Twitch stuff from it. See any good ones? Um, it was mainly just some of the Mario quick runs, but I didn't watch any anything in specific, I guess. 
It's just on the, uh, what is it? Um, what's their SGDQ? Is that what it is? Yep. Their uh, Twitch channel that they had going. So it was just kind of everybody, I think. So is there any like record, like record breaking done? There was a few of them, you know, like the marathon ones. I think they do a lot of safe strategies. A lot of the time, sure. they they don't really go for the really hard ones. There's there was definitely a few of them that I saw that were world records, but I think they were like ones that only a few play. Sure, I feel like that's the type of stuff that takes like a very specific <clears throat> niche type of gamer. I I just I don't see the fun in that personally, but it's kind of amazing to watch those people that really devote their time to it, just blow through games at right. insane speeds. Just memorizing everything and knowing like the jumping pattern. <laughs> yeah, and just knowing knowing how to use exploits in game and getting good enough that you can do it consistently is kind of crazy. And and to like hit a f- one exact frame, you know, where a lot of these games are twenty four or thirty frames a second, you know, you got one thirtieth of a second to hit a button. That's amazing. Yeah, right. And that was in Minneapolis, right? Is that yeah where that's held? The summer ones are in Minneapolis every year. I I wouldn't mind going down there once just to see what it's like. Check it out. Is that a weekend event or something? No, it's all week. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, they raised like $1.7 or something like that. Oh, nice. So it's for charity also. That's cool. Yeah. I watched one and I was thinking about you, Justin, because I know you, you get a little bit motion sick. Yeah. Uh, This was a Mirror's Edge speedrun. And... That game already kind of is just fast and first person, you know, just kind of rolling around. Right. And the speed run of that was just kind of insane. <laughs> I'm glad that was the one they tuned into then. <laughs> <laughs> I watched one stream and I threw up everywhere. It was amazing. <laughs> I could see that being like a cool game to speed run though. Just with how precise you have to be for some of those jumps to really pull off sequences. Right. Well, it was one thing where like you're a little bit faster if you're rubbing against a wall. So the whole game, they're just like rubbing against the wall. It's really weird. <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Why friction isn't a thing within the universe of mirror's edge. Or right. Well, you know, like a lot of those the like wall run. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, in a lot of those games, like especially like in 64 games, I think, it's faster to go backwards because they don't have to render what's behind you, really. That makes sense. So a lot of these people are actually like pretty much doing the game blind because they're just jumping backwards, you know, they're running backwards without the camera pointing back there. Crazy. You guys been playing anything new lately? Uh, nothing new. I guess I just started playing Minecraft again. Launched a server. You gonna start building from scratch again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I had my save still on the old desktop, but I didn't want to try to upgrade, update everything. So I just started now. Was it the promise of 4K Minecraft that got you all titillated and excited to play that again? <laughs> no, it was the uh, hope of being able to use my Raspberry Pi as a server. And that's been crushed? F- so far. I'm taking a break from working on it. Hopefully at some point I'll get it running because that would be nice to have pretty sure it should be able to handle like you know five six people at least easily so 
And you've found some forums and threads where people are actually running their servers off of a Pi? I have. Um, I, I looked at a few of them, and one of them said that you could link, like, three Pies together and host up to, like, a 40-person server, which I don't know about that, but um, most of them I've seen, it's running it on the Pi 3, and you're going to have, like, 10 max. And it says that it runs the best with about 5 to 6. Hmm. But I can't get mine to stay online, so we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. They must have done, like, a lot of work to Minecraft over the years, because I remember, like, when it first started coming out, I think they built it on Java, which was just, like, the most, like, memory hoarding thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah, they've done quite a bit to it. I, I, the uh, launcher they did, what, like a year ago they updated the launcher? So on my other computer, I've actually been struggling trying to get Minecraft to even update. So I've been having to play it on my laptop. That has Vista on it, though, so I suppose that's the issue. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't played anything new. I played a little bit of Donkey Kong um, on the Game Boy one night, but other than that, it's been nothing new. I've been wanting to get into the DLC for Breath of the Wild, but that hasn't um, has worked out yet. So, kind of been slow on the gaming front for me. I finally beat Persona. Really? Clocked in at... Congratulations. Yeah, I kind of marathoned it just because it's like, I need this out of my life. <laughs> um, The final time was 100 hours and 30 minutes. Wow. And I saw that and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to play another video game in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of an investment. Yeah. How long ago did that come out? I think it was May, beginning of May, maybe April. Okay, okay. So I've slowly been picking away at it. Well, that's an achievement. Anybody with a, a day job and a family and everything else to find the time to carve out a hundred plus hour RPG—that's you deserve a medal for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's that's one thing for a single player game, but how much do you guys have in Rocket League? Yeah. Well, Rocket League is a bit of a sickness, though. You know? <laughs> uh, they did add. We noticed that they added in the most recent or one of the more recent updates. There's like a play counter. And it's like total time played, which appears to be really off, though. It was like a matter of hours where I know my real world time would clock in at days, if not weeks at this point. I'm pretty sure it was like 17 hours for me. Yeah. But I have like, was it 2,700 matches played? Yeah. And some <laughs> odd in there at five minutes a piece. Like, yeah. And. How many games have we had too that have gone like ten minutes into overtime? I mean, right. And that's not. And then it really, even though you're not playing the game, it should almost count your in-game time when you're waiting for lobbies and queuing up. I mean, that adds up too. So. Well, that and I, like I played the season mode or whatever just to get the trophies for it, so I could have it 100 percent again. And uh, that adds up too. I don't know if that's kept track of because that doesn't show up in the stats the same. Right. But. I don't know. Well, at least I was happy that Justin and I both placed gold ranking in season four, and then we just re 
ranked for doubles, and we placed at our highest placement ever, which was an opening placement of gold, which is probably not great to some people, but that's pretty solid for for us in doubles. Yeah, it was gold three, wasn't it, that we placed in? Yep, I think so. Not bad. And then we played a game with a guy a few days ago that was so good, I just kind of felt ashamed that I was ever proud of how good I was at Rocket League. (laughs) Yeah. Because I still suck, very clearly. It was just insane. He's uh, he's one of those guys that has complete control of his car in the air. Every shot's an aerial shot. Every ball goes exactly where you'd think it would go. I mean, he's jumping up above the goal and shooting goals in, and it's kind of... It's, a, it's another level of play that I just will never get to. I don't have the patience or the reflexes to pull that off. Well, he's probably been playing Blitzball ever since Final Fantasy X came out, so... <laughs> What's Blitzball? It's kind of just like Rocket League, but imagine they filled the whole arena full of water and your people swimming around playing soccer. It's pretty much this that. Is with, this is inside of Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy X, yeah. It's like a... It's the game, and it's also like a team management simulator. Wow. <laughs> no. Never heard of it. So I know I kind of let off with this on what I haven't been playing, but um, Breath of the Wild DLC is officially out. Um, I know I obviously haven't had a chance to get into this of either of you. Justin, I'm guessing not, because you don't own Breath of the Wild, correct? I do not. Okay. Andy, how about you? I got 120 shrines on that, and then I dropped it, and I never thought about playing Zelda since. Really? Yeah, and I don't know if it's enough to bring me back. Like, the map feature, like, just doesn't do anything for me like a lot of the stuff i don't know what about like that is it that master quest mode where you're going dungeon to dungeon with all your gear stripped does that interest you at all i know you you'd said that that um island segment with the shrine was one of your favorite pieces of content in the game yep yeah i i like the eventide island quite a bit just because it is kind of that where it's like a survival game almost inside of you know the vast world of breath of the wild Right, so yeah. it might be kind of cool to see that. I'm I I'm really interested in seeing what the second piece is. I think it seems like it's much more of a story. Yeah, and that could be. I think there's enough here that I want to get in there and try that uh, mode, and I want to get back in and do some more shrines because I kind of did leave off though doing a lot of that. I I really wanted to get through that game at the time so I could go to the Midwest Gaming Classic and not have it spoiled for me at all, but I feel like, and I've heard that with a lot of people, once you complete that game, as far as beating Ganon, it kind of deflates the game in, as a whole, because it's sort of a letdown, you know, all this build-up to what I guess you could argue is kind of a walkthrough, almost. After you beat Ganon, what are you working toward? Like, all the quests that you're doing, like... He's not gone, you know what I mean? So it's like, it didn't happen. Almost. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty interested in it. Um, I'd like to give it a shot. I just need to find the time to get back in there because I know once I start playing Breath of the Wild again, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> a six-hour night. I'm going to realize that I just slipped away into the fantasy land. But yeah, what a game! I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. I, I like like you said. I think part two of the DLC might be the the real seller. Um, they've talked about getting to play as some of the champions now, right? I think that's what they're alluding to, yeah. Yeah. 
would be fun to fly around as the Rideau champion, even though that guy yep. is a giant douche. And just insult everybody as you fly yes. over him. He is the asshole of Hyrule, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I've noticed that an interesting piece of tech, you know, the Oculus Rift, right now they've got that reduced from 600 to 399 and this also comes with a Microsoft Xbox One controller and a couple other controllers that work with the Oculus in one bundle, which is by far the cheapest we've seen the Oculus at in a retail setting. And it actually kind of lines up, well, it does line up exactly with the price points of PlayStation VR, which is sort of interesting. I, I think it might be enough to actually start moving and gaining some interest the Oculus, which I feel like has kind of been in the background uh, for quite a while now, when it started out as the big VR buzzword, you know? Oculus was everywhere, and now... Yeah, they kind of had to do something, because the prices that the Rift and the HTC Vive are, like, they're, they're luxury items, right? Yes. Once you're paying that amount, most people went to the Vive because it was better tech, right? Mm-hmm. So they had to do something to kind of like lower their place in the market, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it comes bundled with a few games. Did they uh, announce what games were with it, or just? Um, they did. It's a there's a list of them, and it it from what I understood, it once you sync the controllers with it is when they unlock. But I can't remember what the games were specifically. I'd have to look at it up again. I think it's cool that it's at the same price point as the PlayStation VR. I think the problem with PC-based VR is even once you get past the barrier of entry with owning the VR device itself, I mean, you still need a beefy PC rig. I mean, another $1,000 sunk into that to get something like that to run, which I think it's going to be kind of a hurdle. Even, you know, with, with when you look at the PlayStation, you can get into that for $800, but that's more than that wouldn't even be enough to buy the PC you'd need to run some of these other PC-based VR experiences. I, I'm wondering, you could look at this a few different ways, I think, too. Are they coming out with a new product? Like, is this becoming the cheap one and then they're making a new one? Or or yeah. is Facebook kind of, kind of done with Oculus? They're not seeing the value in VR anymore and they're just kind of letting it die? I don't think that would be the case for what they spent on Oculus, but you never know. Yeah, you you don't know. I mean, I do kind of feel like even with as much of a push as VR has made, it's still sort of in that 3D TV sort of phase where this might not grab hold with enough of the mainstream that we're going to see this stick around. At least not this product or this generation. Right. Right. I mean, it's I still see it as a fun novelty. Not something I need to put money into. But maybe that'll change. Who knows what's going to happen here. And it, at least it's getting more affordable. Big thing for it. Like, at least I know for me, there's no way I would get it just because the goggles having them on your face and just the view being so close to you makes me sick from it. So if it, if it, they could figure out like a way to, I don't know, <laughs> just make it into glasses, <laughs> you know? I don't know. Yeah, and we've... Like Ryan's been saying, he hasn't had time to really play games. And, you know, it's the same thing. We all have kids and families and stuff. I just can't see 
with the limited time that we have to play games to be like, okay, I'm going to put this on my face and ignore <laughs> my family too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised there hasn't been, like, some horror story yet with, like, a tethered HTC Vive headset or something where, like, a parent has, like, wandered around this, like, virtual environment and, like, wrapped the cord around their kid's neck and <laughs> strangled them to death. Like, Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, I shouldn't laugh about it because it's probably going to freaking happen, but, yeah, I, I just, right. I mean, that's another great point. It's just not practical for the family at this point. And I mean, this, we're a group of people that love games and we love technology, but when it's, when it's that hard to justify, you gotta wonder what the average consumer is, you know, thinking on this stuff. Right. And like, once a technology comes, better technology comes out, do they still keep that high bar of, you know, so the next Oculus comes out, does it, that require the top of the line PC then as well, you know? Is it right. constantly gonna be at that seven, eight hundred dollar range? Or, you know, Actually, probably like $1,500 range just for entry for both products. I think the best shot VR has is to be paired with a, a console. And even with as, I guess, successful as the PlayStation VR has been, I don't feel like that's really been enough of a push either. No, and, and even that at $400 is no mass market is going to get that either, you know? Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too, where it's just like typical Sony where they come out with this new tech and they almost just let it disappear as soon as it's announced. I mean, it's back in stores now, but I don't know when the last time I've heard a Sony representative or anybody really get into the VR space. Right. Yeah, did you see this uh, eBay auction for a sealed stadium event? It did not. It's a legit copy of a U.S. version. Bid went to 42000 plus dollars and that seems insane and i i'm willing to bet that it's not going to sell for that i think somebody trolled a bit you know is just fake bidding yeah that seems kind of high um especially after weren't 20 plus sealed copies of stadium events just revealed you know less than two years ago now i mean that's yeah, that's an insane amount of money for what is essentially just a different coat of paint on one of the worst games on the NES. Right. And I I I don't think any true collector I I don't know the last one that sealed one that's actually sold and what price. A lot of that stuff happens privately on forums and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. I'm surprised he actually took it to eBay cuz it's like he should know better that it's not going to work out. Right. Well, and, it, and I don't like when stuff like that blows up because this is, these are the types of listings that like the mainstream media gets into. And then everybody else with a fricking NES and a copy of Super Mario Brothers three thinks they're sitting on a gold mine now because, because when this news gets out, it doesn't matter what game it is to the mainstream. It's that it was a Nintendo game and they're worth a fortune. So it makes it harder for the rest of us to get games at a reasonable price. Right. It's bad enough that people see the actual value of stadium events. They don't need to see a fake inflated one like this either, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of that, another one that is on eBay right now, which I'm kind of interested in to see, this one might actually go for the value. I think it's 
maybe a lot less uh, a lot less eyes on it, like stadium events. Uh, that's an Earthbound prototype that some guy found on a garage sale. Yeah, and I remember hearing about the story a little bit, wasn't it? Like um, from someone who had at one point worked for Nintendo back in the day. Right, and they, I think she was a buyer or something like that for Nintendo. I so don't this know is how a fully translated prototype. Do they know that it's been tested? I I have no idea what's on there. There there has been other Earthbound prototypes out there as well. So this isn't like the first one, but yeah, I don't know if they've really popped it in, you know, dumped the ROM and really went in depth on what's on there. Unless I saw a different picture, but this was in like a gold cart too, right? Right. Like he cut out, I don't know if he actually got it that way or what. The the back is gray and then the front is a gold Zelda cart that he cut or somebody cut the exact like shape of the prototype to put in there. Huh. Seems like you'd want to keep the prototype not exposed, but right. that's just me, I guess. Because isn't a lot of that, like, the ROMs that you just, like, flash with light? Right, the ROMs were even uh, exposed, too. So, like, yeah. he had he had to put tape over the cover of the ROMs, even. That doesn't seem great. Well, I mean, there's a, definitely a market for that, so I, I'm not at all surprised that that ended up on eBay so quickly. That was a pretty recent discovery, but I suppose. Yeah, it's probably one of those things, like, if once you got news on it, and, you know, you got people, like, hearing about how you found it, it's best to maybe put it in front of them and say, hey, do you want to buy it, you know? Right. Was that one of the titles that's on the uh, SNES when that's supposed to release? Yep. Yeah. And that would be the second one, right? This right. is the very first Earthbound or Mother, which we never actually got localized for the Nintendo. But yeah, yeah the, okay. the one on Super Nintendo that we did get, that is a $200 cartridge. Is it still at that? Uh, you can get down to 150 sometimes, I think. Okay. No. Yeah. I suppose that probably fueled the flames for this too with that auction, you know, knowing that people are seeing it SNES Classic and there's an Earthbound title on there, just feeds the hunger and there's a uh, brand new wisdom tree kickstarter apparently yeah have you ever wanted to play super noah's arc on any of your sega systems nope well that's okay i mean <laughs> we we can we can ditch the dreamcast version that one's probably not going to make it for sixty five thousand dollars but you could play it on your sega you know what's funny about that equation is it's got to be cheaper to just burn a ROM to a Dreamcast like disc than it would be to produce a full cartridge for the Genesis, right? Right. Yeah. So sh- shouldn't the stretch goal have been the Genesis cart? I I'm guessing the porting the, the the code behind it that they have to port. There's less work between the Genesis. That can make sense. Yeah. I don't know. Then again, you know, I would. I would think all you would do for a Dreamcast is just wrap a emulator around it. Right. And just boot yeah, up the emulator when you, when you do it. Because Dreamcast should be plenty powerful enough, I would think, to run a Super Nintendo emulator. I don't know. It is super 3D Noah's Ark. I mean, <laughs> that's, old, that's asking a lot of the old Dreamcast. And it's getting an NES. There, there's an NES game in this Kickstarter, too, yes? Yeah, Noah's Ark. 
which I've not played. And is that gonna is is that ever been released or is that? You know, I don't think so. So this is a new title that they're putting out as a homebrew. Yeah, I I guess I haven't done a lot of research on that, but though they also have a Game Boy Advance collection of all all of their old NES Wisdom Tree games. Yeah, it looks like you're getting Sunday Fun Day, Bible Adventures, Exodus, Joshua, Bible Buffet, Spiritual Warfare, and King of Kings on there. Wow. Region free highlighted. <laughs> I'm just surprised, like I think once you're starting to port things to like Game Boy Advance, like what's the market for that? Like who's like you know yeah. I'd really like to play this on the go, but only on a Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that's, that is a weird choice. Maybe they're thinking, too, that with the saturation of stuff like the Retron 5, you know, they'll get people that way, too. But you don't see a whole lot of stuff put out homebrew-wise or Kickstarter-wise for the Game Boy Advance. It seems like a Right, weird unless fit. it was, like, built for that, you know? Yeah. With those limitations in mind. Right, because you gotta, I mean, the screen resolution alone, they're gonna have to, you would hope at least they're gonna rework these games and not letterbox it. Yeah. But maybe they're, I I guess maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they just letterbox these and dropped them on there. Yeah, we'll see if this one makes it. They're at 6,000 out of 30,000. Still have a lot of time left, but you'd probably like to see that a little bit farther if you want to see that make it. Yeah, they've got 71 backers right now. Yeah, to me, I mean, it seems like they should have maybe done individual Kickstarters for these. I mean, there's three distinct products for different game systems. I don't yeah. know. You could have you could have focused on one console, one iteration of the game, lowered your goal. Um, because cartridges, you know, I mean, that costs money to get those produced. And if you're... The, the more... The more quantities of any specific cartridge you're ordering, I mean, the less it's going to cost you to manufacture. So, you know, who knows what the breakout of this is going to look like when they do, if they get their full pledge goal of 30000 I mean, there's bound to be one format or one game that's picked up more by backers than others. Right. And on the manufacturing side, too, you would think there's got to be one that's going to be harder to deliver on, too. So... When you're doing this all in one, that seems like it would be tough to deliver them all at the same time. Right. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> Wisdom Tree just keeps sticking around. Yeah, I think they put everything else of theirs on Steam now, too. Wow. So, who owns Wisdom Tree now? I mean, somebody obviously picked up this license that that has another, that, you know... That name brand, and they must have enough savvy to like bring this stuff back, knowing the collecting market. I mean, this can't be anybody who was originally involved with Wisdom Tree back in the day, is it? I think there's a few people, but I don't think it's them that are kind of running these projects, you know, getting sure. these games out there again. They just still have a stake in the, in the namesake? Yeah, I'm not sure. Interesting. Hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see where this goes in the next month, if it gets anywhere near it. I I think after their last Kickstarter project, and I know they had some delays with delivering that, you know, the rewards for those, I don't know that they're going to get a whole lot of support on this. Right. I'm not going to do it until I get a Game Gear version, so. (laughs) Is that not a stretch goal? (laughs) 
I bet if you gave them enough money, they'd make it happen. <laughs> Stretch goal. If you pledge a thousand or more, you get a seat on the Ark. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Interesting. Cannot guarantee your mate, though. <laughs> I don't know. That's a bit dicey. I'm going to have to think about that one. <laughs> Any other news that you guys have uh, picked up on? Anything caught your eye? I haven't even had time to really look at news <laughs> this week. It's been so busy. <laughs> past two weeks. It's in the way. I know Final Fantasy twelve remake came out. I'm guessing neither of you really played around with that. No, is that an online Final Fantasy? No. no? It's kinda like when they changed away from turn based combat a little bit a little bit more action. Okay. I don't feel like I've heard a lot about this one. Yeah, a lot of people hated it when it came out. I thought it was it was really split because it was a lot different, I should say, than what Final Fantasy was. How was like fifteen received? Because that's kind of the same vein, right? Yeah, fifteen is pretty much yeah, it's straight up almost action. Okay. All these newer Final Fantasies, everybody complains because they're not like the old ones. But once you get into them a little bit, they're not so bad. Sure. I've just never been one to get into any. I didn't like the turn-based, you know, old-school JRPG type. I, I don't get into that sort of game. Um, I could see myself maybe with Final Fantasy XII, you know, where it's a little more action-oriented. I mean, that, that could be something I would possibly get into, but just seems like it would require a lot of time. Yeah, it. Yeah, it. All those games are take way too long, and. The stories are usually pretty nonsensical. So what what was that published on originally? What generation? Is this like PS2 or was this PS3? Yeah, it was late PS2. Okay. And kind of the combat, I think it was, they were kind of trying to do like an MMO type thing. I don't know if, I don't remember if there was a lot of cooldowns per se, but there was a lot of like setting up attacks and like, you could almost like program your attacks. Interesting. But yet there was no online element to it. It was just an offline MMO type feel. Right. So it was almost like mastering your attack patterns where you didn't even have to attack. You just ran around and all your guys knew what to do. Hmm. So, you know, if I had a million years, I would definitely check that out on the, this remake. But <laughs> but sadly, you're just going to get to look at it from a distance and yep. remember the days when you had time. Yeah. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The legend of Voltron, defender of the universe. A mighty robot, loved by good. Okay, we're going to start a topic every episode, and I think this week we're going to talk about 80s cartoons. We have three of them here. I picked them because... It's a gaming-related theme here. They really didn't have any video games when they were at their height of their popularity. I don't know. I did some homework. <laughs> okay. So we got... Let's just let's just talk through them, I guess. So yeah. we got Voltron we want to talk about. Now, for me, Voltron aired originally before I was born. So I'm not going to have a lot to say on Voltron, but I know the general premise... I watched a couple episodes, and I think 
it still hangs up a little bit better than some of these other ones. A lot of 80s cartoons, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say, like, the animation style um, and the quality of the animation for the time was pretty revolutionary. I mean, it was definitely ahead of its time when you look at it, you know, through through that lens of when it actually aired. Um, <clears throat> in going back and watching a few of these original episodes again for, you know, prepping for the podcast, I was kind of impressed with, with the overall animation style. I, th- I thought it was good. It looked like late 80s, early 90s Japanese anime Absolutely. to me. Yep. And it, I was surprised to, to know that it was like 1983, I think it came out. It aired. Yeah, it's really early and really well done. And I guess it, apparently it was the Japanese show that they rebranded and redubbed uh, over here. So who knows when it originally aired over there. And it kind of as they went along, they between seasons, I think... It was different shows that they were actually taking yep. the anime from. So Yeah, I guess like the second season was completely unrelated. Like even in Japan, like it was a completely different show that they rebranded as Voltron for the US audiences. Yep. The thing with that show and I remember watching it as like a young kid, like I was definitely aware of it. The thing I remembered distinctly was being a kid and just like a lot of that the context of the show and the dialogue was just kind of over my head, like I didn't get into it. But as soon as those cats came onto the screen and Voltron started forming and they were fighting, man, did that just burn into my brain. Uh, I was just so blown away by that as a kid. You know, the funny thing to me is how kind of Voltron took off Robotech, which, I mean, that's Macross over there in Japan. But, like, it all started from, like, what's the biggest robot one in japan it's gundam you know yeah and we never got that like that's like the biggest thing over in japan and we kind of got all the cast-offs kind of rebranded as all these other things but never the original what's funny too is like we were talking about the power rangers movie earlier on in the podcast and i always felt like the first time i saw power rangers which is obviously a japanese property that was redubbed and redone in the u.s anyway but I remember seeing that as like a middle schooler and being like, man, this is just Voltron, but like with people, you know, because you get the different Zords forming, just like you have the different cats forming to fi- form, you know, your one giant robot. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's kind of how I, that's kind of what like Power Rangers almost like jogged my memory and my nostalgia, even as a kid for Voltron, because I just remembered seeing this show growing up. And have you guys watched um, the, the, the new versions on netflix i think dreamworks animations doing it no i haven't it is fantastic um i've gotten through about the first season watched it with the kids like it is so much i i think it's better than the old show um i i guess you could debate on that you know people are probably going to have their favorite but i think it hits like all the nostalgia points and does a much better job of like developing characters because some of those characters in the original series were kind of one-dimensional um yeah if you get a chance go on netflix i think there's two to three seasons now of voltron it's it's a great show great reboot i did not know i did that at the very least throw it on for your kids so they can watch something better than like doc mc stuffins (laughs) magic school bus uh i'm partial to magic school bus but yes (laughs) um so Justin, like, were you just like me too, where 
just never was on the radar when you were young? Yeah, I honestly didn't watch a whole lot of TV as a kid, so most of this I didn't even hear about. Like, I I knew kind of what He-Man was, um, and um, there's a couple other ones that like I know about because of my older brothers, but I never seen them. Yeah. So, yeah, I had no idea what this well, was. Full disclosure, too. Like, I am like three to four years your guys' senior, so I I probably caught like the you know caught these shows at a little better time in my life than um, than you guys. So, you know, being the old man of the group, looks like first aired nineteen eighty four. So. Yeah, I wasn't born <laughs> yet. <laughs> I wasn't thought of yet. God damn it! I feel old, you <laughs> bastards. <laughs> well, hey, you were hanging with the young kids like us with Power Rangers, so. Uh, yeah, well, being immature isn't something to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm a middle-aged man with a room full of Nintendo toys, doing a podcast <laughs> of video games in my free time. I've really, <laughs> really matured. Like, I'm gonna drop my nuts next week. I can't wait. <clears throat> Um, I did, so when we decided we were going to talk about these 80s cartoons, I, I kind of, out of curiosity, I wanted to just look and see what was available game-wise. I think Voltron, you know, we're talking about when this came out, it really sort of almost missed the home console market, and the home personal computer, when this first came on, I feel like that was a luxury, so there really wasn't anything in the way of Voltron games. Um, right. which isn't surprising. I did find out that they tried to do like a reboot, and apparently on the PSN and Xbox Live Arcade, there was Voltron Defender of the Universe. It came out in 2011. I do remember that one. It has been delisted now, so you can't get at this. I'm sure somebody somewhere has got it, but um, it was like a twin-stick shooter. Um, it looked like there was some on-the-ground overhead gameplay where you're playing as individual cats. Some of them you were doing like a shooting sequence out in space, but... Yeah, I, d- I had no idea. This was never on my radar that this came out. Um, and it appears to be the one and only legitimate game uh, for Voltron. based on the property, yeah. Yeah, 2009. <laughs> 2009? Yep, that's when it came out. Nice. Which is, yeah, 15 years later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if there won't be something now that um, the, the reboot has kind of caught steam on Netflix. It wouldn't surprise me. Okay, next one we can talk about here is Thundercats, and this is probably the one that I have maybe the most amount of actual experience in. I remember when this one was on, at least, I will say that. Thundercats was a great show. I always kind of felt like it was almost, kind of almost a lift of the He-Man formula. You know, your main character, Lino, is sort of similar to He-Man, and... It kind of felt like they were doing the... I think LJN had the rights to the, the show. So obviously yeah. they were going heavy with, with you know action figures and stuff. Um, but, man, Thundercats holds up so well. I think it's an infinitely better show than you know the shows it was inspired by. Yep, for sure. The most interesting characters, too, I think. 
Okay, yes, I agree. And <laughs> what the hell is Snarf? They're already cat people. What is Snarf? <laughs> is he not a cat? Why is he like retarded and <laughs> their pet, but he talks? I don't understand. <laughs> I think it's like a goofy Pluto situation, maybe. They're both dogs, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but he's just, like, become, like, the pun, too, you know, in pop culture. Like, everything is snarf, snarf. Yeah. Yeah, just in watching that show again. Because I remember... It'd been a while since I'd watched Thundercats, and, you know, with Adult Swim, they were always making those, like, um, snarf jokes. And I was like, no, he couldn't, he couldn't have actually said snarf that much. He does. Like, every other word is snarf out of snarf's mouth. He's like a, maybe he's part he's Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've, Start of it. we've solved it. He's a Pokemon. What type of Pokemon would he be? I don't know what the hell he is. He's like a cat slash alligator thing. Now, did any of you or either of you watch the very first episode? In, in kind of doing some homework for this topic? No, I couldn't find it on YouTube. Okay, there's a channel that's all like Voltron, like 30 years or something. It's got all the episodes. You can just stream them. So I was watching quite a few, but the very first episode, they set up the premise where their home world's been destroyed um, and they have to go like into cryogenic sleep to travel like, I don't know how many light years to get to what is essentially Earth, they hint at, to re-colonize. Uh, there's like eight of them, so they're kind of screwed with that. They're all going to be retarded within five generations. But what's interesting is Lino, at the start of the pilot, is a teen. He's like late teens. And then even though they go into cryogenic sleep, they still age slightly. Nobody else on the ship seems to age, but Lino comes out a full-grown man and the leader. And he went from being like this kind of scrappy, adorable kid. And then he comes out as Lino, and he's just kind of a dick. Like, he's just an asshole. He still kind of has the attitude yeah. of a teenager. Right, he's just kind of a prick. You're like, man, I kind of liked Lionel before he grew up. <laughs> and I will say that I kind of, you know, for cartoon animations, not that um, I'm into, like, hentai or bestiality or anything, but Chitara, I don't know. I'd, I'd consider that. They did some extra work to her <laughs> model, I think. Yeah. Than probably needed to be done. I think there was somebody on... On right. that staff of questionable integrity. It made you feel tingles in your weird places as a kid. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> they were definitely hinting at something, that's for and, you know, and she was the only adult female character, so Right. You gotta wonder whether they're just running a train on her at night in the in the home base. <laughs> and what's up with Lino, like his tan lines are just yeah. really weird. Right. Like he just applied sunscreen in all the wrong places. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like snarf should be said every so often. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can just be our snarf. Just like chime in. Snarf, snarf. Snarf. <laughs> What's up with Lionel? Snarf. <laughs> Check out the tits on Chitara. Snarf, snarf. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is going downhill fast. <laughs> So, I was curious, because I've never seen a Thundercats game. So this is kind of interesting. There was a side-scrolling PC-based game. It came out on all the PCs of the day, like Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore, ZX Spectrum. Apparently, this was also announced in 87 
um, and advertised for the NES, but it never actually came out. Really? Wow. Um, and I went back and like looked at the the PC versions, and you know, it's actually it's clunky, like you'd expect a side-scrolling action game on the PC to be at those times. Like the movements looked really janky, but they actually did a pretty good job with the character models. Who knows what that would look like had it reached the NES, but interesting nonetheless. And then apparently they rebooted this uh, series in like in like the 2010-ish time frame. Uh, I guess it was kind of a flop. But there was also a DS game based on that, um, around that reboot, somewhere around 2010, 2011, that came out. So not the actual original Thundercats property, but interesting. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know that this got in a reboot. And it was awful. It has a 28 on Metacritic, which is really <laughs> hard game? to do. Yes. <laughs> now I kind of need to play it. Snarf, snarf. I've, I've had it through a couple times, and I never popped it in. I, did, I never knew it was thought of as that bad. So maybe next time. Yeah, typical license cash in, huh? And so I crashed on the top when I'm lying in bed just to get it all what's in my head. And I, 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 I
all of a sudden he <laughs> takes his shirt off and has a sword and rides around on a different colored tiger. And he's a, like, you cannot miss. It's like the Superman thing. It's still Clark Kent. Like everyone should be able to tell, but nobody can. <laughs> like I gotta go change so I can go in here. And be me. Has anybody watched the movie? There's a movie. Yeah, there's a live action Dolph Lundgren. No. Movie. Yep. Really? I've never seen it, but. Oh my god! I need to watch this now. That's gonna be <laughs> on my list. I'm watching this, and we're gonna talk about it next podcast. Yeah, I think that's Masters of the Universe. I think that's called. Dolph Lundgren. That's awesome. Apparently, He-Man was, like, really big in Europe or somewhere over there. Seems well, like. yeah. And actually, I think the last He-Man game to get released was one on the PS2, and that was only in Europe. We never got it here. So, one interesting thing that kind of flew over my head as a kid, but in looking at, back at He-Man stuff and the characters and things now, I discovered that somebody in charge of character design over there with the he-man franchise had a little bit of fun with their job and this flew over my head completely as a kid we're gonna i'm gonna go through this list of actual villains or possibly allies i don't know i'm gonna assume villains in the he-man universe ram man (laughs) fisto extender and clamp champ like, if those aren't the most, like, sexually, like, innuendo-laden, like, action figure names. Yeah. And, and Fisto has a giant metal fist, like you'd expect, which I assume he uses on Ram Man. <laughs> With the help of Extender. I just cannot believe that this stuff is real. Like, I thought it was a joke. Was this guy in, like, a sex toy store? When he had to come up with these names for these guys. Probably. And he's like just looking around and he's like, oh. I'm going to try these clamps tonight. Snarf, snarf. Oh, it's Clamp Champ. Uh, I don't know if I said that right the first time. That's the guy's name, Clamp Champ. <laughs> I didn't see a picture of him, but I assume he's got clamp hands and is wearing nipple clamps. Yep. It's probably the character design. But yeah, you can't make this stuff up. Fisto. <laughs> stuff. So He-Man was the only one that actually got like a console game. They had an Atari game, right? Yeah, Atari and Intellivision, it looked like. It was the um, same game, I would imagine, cross-platform. And then there were some early PC games, it looks like, and I assume there was some sort of reboot um, around the 2000s, early 2000s, because there was a GBA game as well, um, followed by that PS2 game that I mentioned. Sure. That never made it over here, which I think is atrocious. I've seen a few Let's Plays, and it's supposed to be just garbage. So there was a game very recently on PS4. Really? That he was a DLC character, I believe. And what is this game? <sighs> I don't remember. Oni Chanbara, Bikini Zombie Slayers? That is, that's one I would remember, but that one's not the right <laughs> one. Um... It had. I think there's a skin for Smite <laughs> to turn one of them into Hercules really? or He-Man. Turn. Yeah, nice. I think so. Interesting. I, I don't know. It was. It's kind of fun to go back and revisit some of these weird '80s cartoons. We'll have to do look back on these sort of things. Um, it'll be interesting once we get closer towards the late '80s and '90s, and you can really discuss shows that have video games that are almost as relevant as the series when you get towards like Disney Afternoon era. 
yeah, pretty much anything Capcom was doing in that area. Mm-hmm. But, you know, any little show. Yeah. Maybe next time we can move a few years into the future when, you know, YouTube were in existence when these shows aired. and <laughs> I won't feel like such an old snarf. Maybe we'll do one in the 70s just so I can say I wasn't alive then. And that'll be the whole topic. Yep. Scooby-Doo. Boy, man, you could do hours on Scooby-Doo, couldn't you? That show will just not die. You could. You shouldn't. It holds up, too, for kids still. Like, my kids I love it. I Scooby-Doo's. <laughs> I don't really pay attention to them. But... Aren't they, like, hanging around John Cena now and stuff like that? Yeah, it's weird. Like, in the whole Scooby and, like, Fred dynamic and... I don't know. They, they kind of screwed with the characters in ways that... It, I, I don't know. It's still entertaining. My kids do like it. I would <clears throat> agree with Justin there, but I'm not a, not a fan. I want vintage Scooby-Doo. So Scrappy-Doo is what you're talking about. Fuck Scrappy. This is the continuing segment we're going to do on every podcast where we all pick a game and um, we discuss the, the picks that we've we've put forth and we decide which of those three games that each of us would buy if given the chance, rent, and then burn. Um, so this episode, Andy has picked Growl for the Sega Genesis. This is a Taito game released in 1991. Justin has gone with Bionic Commando, the NES version. Uh, Capcom game, of course, released in 1988. And Ryan, myself, I have gone with Super Mario Land for the Game Boy, um, a Nintendo title, of course, and uh, that was released in 1989. Andy, tell us about Growl. Growl is something I just never played when I was younger. Never heard of it. It was on the shelf. I picked it up and decided to bring it to this week's podcast because it is something that is (laughs) pretty unique. Growl is a beat-em-up in the vein of Double Dragon and Streets of Rage. It was originally for the arcade, but the thing that kind of sets us apart from them, it kind of has like an environmental theme focused on like animal preservation. You're going after p- poachers, so you're <laughs> murdering just mobs of enemies with just <laughs> the most overpowered like Rambo weapons you can find. Yeah, I think that's like the most powerful lesson that the game teaches you, that fucking kill all the human beings you want, but don't you dare lay a hand on any animal that crosses your <laughs> right like exactly the enemies were women too i felt very <laughs> right, uncomfortable and, and, with that there's a lot of women i was right. killing <laughs> who, who knew the global poaching ring consisted of train yard workers gypsies and um yeah these like paralegal women all in it for this these animals you know <laughs> yeah um, all different weapons whips and swords and grenades uh, I gotta say, yeah, where's she hiding that bazooka? Oh, well, that's true. Maybe that maybe that's their role in this whole like syndicate is they like smuggle small animals through customs. <laughs> that's their purpose. How come when you throw a grenade, you lay on it? No, you don't lay on it because that's what feels best. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that animation. I love the fact that every time you pick up a grenade, your guy tosses it and just lays on the ground with his arms over his head. Like, 
<laughs> and you're just there until like the enemies in the screen explodes and there's body parts everywhere. Right. And it, it's not just like, it's not just like your body's randomly on there. It's just directly right on yeah. your crotch every single time. <laughs> did, did either of you have this happen where you threw one and then one of the women came out and threw theirs on top of you while you were laying prone? Oh yeah. And then you get yeah, bombed. So like you too. kill everyone, but then you also almost kill yourself. I didn't have that happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of the few beat 'em ups that I've played that actually has like guns in it too. Mm-hmm. There's not too many of them. That it's usually like swords and like things you can throw and. But, yeah, that yeah. was a, the guns. That was crazy. another thing where I was like, kind of, it was kind of cringy. Like thinking back of the era that that came out, like you're picking up a gun and I'm shooting like screenfuls of women in miniskirts. <laughs> I'm just like, how did this pass? Like, well, I guess it wasn't like ESRB back then, but man, that was a parent. You're saving the animals, so it's fine. We yes, human genocide is permissible as long as the animals are safe. <laughs> I don't know if all everyone's got to the point where you save the elephant. I think that's the point in the game where uh, I kind of like drop the controller and like, okay, this is a next level yes. game. That would that definitely sold me. Like even leading up to the point before you'd rescued the elephant, where the end boss pleads for you not to kill him, and then he throws a knife at your feet. Like I was just in tears. <laughs> You, of course, murder him and then free the elephants. And then when that elephant... So I got to the next screen and, like, the screen fills with enemies and this elephant comes charging in. So my natural instinct, I think a lot of gamers, you jump out of the way of this elephant. No, but the elephant goes on, like, a freaking homicidal rampage to destroy every enemy for you. Like, you have an elephant working on your side, just obliterating people into, like, flesh chunks all over the screen. It might be... One of the best things in gaming I've ever seen. Absolutely phenomenal. At the same time, it doesn't look like he's on a rampage either. It looks like somebody took a elephant out of clip art <laughs> and just moved him across the screen. The animation on it is so slow. It looks like he's hardly even walking if he's moving at yeah, all. You're tr- that's right. Did you guys all take the main character too? Like the first one who looks just like Indiana Jones? Yep. And you get a whip like five yep. seconds into the game. So you're literally playing as Indiana yep. Jones. Yep. Yeah, it's... It's something. And then the yeah, the elephant takes down a tank, which is pretty crazy in itself, and there's about two hundred people in that tank. I don't know how they fit in there. Yeah. Or well the same thing like that opening sequence where you bust open that train car and like five hundred eagles fly out. I'm like, how did they get them all in there? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it seems like more more effort than what it's worth, probably. Yeah. I, I this is like an absolute experience. Like to me, there's life before you've played Gravel, and there's life after. Like, it's that, like, pivotal to me. <laughs> I just can't believe I didn't know anything about this game all these years. Um, it's just, I mean, it's not, it's a beat-em-up, right? So it's not in-depth. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's finding the exploits with the weapons, like the whip, which attacks both directions, so you just stand in the middle of the screen and spam it. But, I don't yeah. know, just the absurdity of the whole thing, the premise. Um, it doesn't do anything exceptional, but it's just strange enough and bonkers enough that it becomes exceptional with those like other things thrown in. It was, man, it was an amazing game. Like I just could not stop enjoying it. It was just right. It's it's good for like a, a playthrough. I think it's not like Streets of Rage where right. you're like, I want to play this because the music's great, the action's great, it feels good. Like a Grawl is not quite up to that level. Right. I don't think. Yeah, there's no depth in the in the mechanics to really add an extra layer. It's just kind of the experience it sets forth for you. But fantastic! I I, I cannot believe I've never heard of this. Yeah, I was I was blown away too. Like it at first, the the poacher going after poachers like right away. It's like the thinnest veil of any type of story too. It's just like two lines. It's just like go murder murder those poachers now. Yeah. You know. Well, 
You know what's also kind of impressive that you don't really think about as you're playing it is the number of on-screen enemies and sprites for a Genesis game is kind of staggering. I mean, you'd have, I don't know, what would you say, 10 to 15 characters coming at you with relatively no slowdown. Right, but they only have to load one model in because they're all the same woman. No, some of them have blue dresses, some of them have red dresses. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, fantastic uh, game. I wish it was two players, my only my only gripe, but um, enjoy yeah. the laughs with a friend. But man, I, I this is a great game. Well, the arcade is two-player, isn't it? I would assume so. You, you would think it would be, because... I I watched a video on it too, and there was four characters moving on the screen. Really? So I don't know. Maybe worth trying to get running in Mame then. Yeah. Just check it out that way. Look more into it, because if it's possible for four players, it'd be that would be quite an experience. Yeah. You would think there'd be so much going on in the screen though, but I don't know. I I think that was the arcade version though that I watched, because it had credits, so it must have been arcade. So maybe they had four player arcade? I don't know. I can see that. That was kind of like, you, that, that'd almost be what you'd have to do at that point in the beat-em-up, you know, because that was when beat-em-ups were at their peak in the arcade. Mm-hmm. If you were going to compete with, like, a double dragon, what's better than two more players, you know? Yeah, four more quarters, or two more yeah, quarters. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I think the credits only went up to nine, because it was, uh, must have been, I suppose, emulated as well, but... Yep. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. How about your pick, Justin? Bionic Commando. Oh, uh, yeah. Bionic Commando. I suppose it's a action platformer type game. I picked it. It's one of the games that I had when I was growing up. And I remember playing it numerous times and struggling really bad at it. And then it's one of those games that we just kept putting in, me and my little brother. And finally, we did actually get through and beat the entire game. And I probably promised myself I would never play it again after beating it. But I decided to pick it for this so I could play it again. <laughs> You know, it's it's entertaining. Um, I honestly can't stand the sound effects now. Like mm. it was, it was mm-hmm. pretty rough playing it, having to listen to the terrible sound effects. Maybe it was distorted too because I emulated it instead of hooked up my Nintendo. But it was way worse than what I remember as far as that. But the gameplay was what I remember. I didn't get very far because it's a tough game. <laughs> right. So is that good or bad from what you remember? Like it's probably worse than. What I remember, but, you know, you, you look back and think of all the times that you play it and how frustrating you were, but how satisfied you were when you finally beat it. So I guess overall it's probably a good memory. But Yeah, that's, um, I, I feel like Bionic Commando, it's one of those games that people really love or they just despise, and I <clears throat> I fall in the despise camp. I, I struggle with that game. I find the grappling hook mechanic frustrating, just kind of, wears on my patience never really gotten far in the game at all which is probably too bad maybe if i forced myself i could get to the point where i understood it and it started clicking but in playing it again in preparation for the podcast i just instantly got frustrated with it i mean i gave it maybe half an hour or so i just can't get into it i I don't know maybe like you know in your case justin like you said if i'd played it as a kid and i had those memories because you're right there is something about persevering with like a difficult game especially when we were kids and we had amazing patience um i'd feel you know a little bit of nostalgia towards it but i just i never got around to it as a kid and by the time i got around to it as in my collecting days i just i don't connect with it it's just too frustrating for me mechanic wise to really enjoy it's kind of frustrating with the, the grappling hook but 
once you kind of get that and, and know the, like, each certain levels, you have to bring certain things with you, otherwise you won't ever get past it. So you have to try it and realize that you brought the wrong equipment. Yeah, I think I, I'm kind of in the same camp as Ryan, where I've just never been able to grapple the controls. The I think, like you said, there's a lot more depth to it if you can actually get to a lot of the other levels and have the patience to get there and learn the controls. Because, yeah, there's a, a lot to it with items and stuff like that. But I had the same problem. Like, the, the grappling hook, there was one level I just could not get over some spikes just because there's, like, once you grapple, you start getting to the top and you can't go down. Like, it pulls yeah. himself in, you know? And there's no way to, like, lower yourself and swing some more. So you just instantly, the only thing you could do is just drop down and die. And I just could not get past that part. I think Bionic Commando is a really good 16-bit game that was stuck on a two-button 8-bit system. Well, and it, it suffers because it was one of the earliest Capcom ports to the NES, so they arguably weren't the most skilled in developing for that platform or porting to that platform yet. Yeah. Yeah, just having a couple extra buttons, I think, just to help out with the like the controls, I think would have made that game incredible, I think. Yeah. Had a jump. <laughs> Or yeah, dang, a jump. Even. I'm sure that would have broken some 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 of the design probably. And but... explain this to me is like what what determines because sometimes when you get to the end of your grapple you're allowed to jump up. I mean, is it material based? Like sometimes you can't jump through certain things. I think it's if there's like multiple things. Like sometimes you get the the platform and then like barrels above the platform. Mm-hmm. Like you can't jump through the barrels because you're okay. you can only jump through the one platform. And then uh, like one thing that really bugs me is that you can't. Like, you know, like you were saying, you can't rappel back down once it's gone up. So, like, if you're on the top floor, you have to just fall down to the next. Like, why can't I just drop down right where I'm at? <laughs> but that's part of the game. But at least that's what bugs me now, because I suppose other games that I've played now allow you to do that. Yep. How about you, Ryan? What did you bring? Well, I went with um, Super Mario Land for the Game Boy, because um, that's a game that I had early on in my days of owning the Game Boy. And it's a game I loved and thought was fantastic. And it wasn't until years later when the internet decided that supposedly this is a terrible game that everyone hates. I I didn't get that from playing the game as a kid. It, it's most closely akin to the original Mario Brothers, um, Super Mario Brothers for the NES and that, you know, that early game feel. Um, but it does some interesting things in that it turns some of the principles on their head. If you jump on a turtle, for instance... Instead of it being a shell, it's just a bomb that will explode if you stand next to it. So that's kind of a shocker. And it also brings in some interesting mechanics like side-scrolling shooting levels uh, that you just don't see in any other Mario game. End game goals, you can go for a higher or a lower exit on each stage to get to do a bonus game. And then it's just got some strange enemies and locations in there, right? There's like a Chinese-themed level. There's an Egyptian level. The end bosses all vary. I mean, it's a seahorse. It's um, a tiger. But to me, the game still feels very tight, very playable. It's got certain things like the fire flower that make it over and the, the star from the original Mushroom, or from the original Mario Brothers that they're the original power-ups. One thing that I, again, feels off is that the fire flower gives you a ricocheting bullet, uh, which is different than any other game, but they also use it in some really smart ways in level design as far as getting into warp pipes and picking up all the coins because the the projectile now will pick up coins for you. So you can shoot it into interesting places to get extra coins. And it also has some of the most 
I guess, iconic music for me. I don't know that a lot of people talk about it, but I, I love the music in that game. I, in fact, like, I'll play one of the tracks here. I don't know if you guys are hearing that, but, like, this song feels like something like a sick... Like, I could be strutting down the street, like, all, you know, like, dancing around, snapping my thing. Like, I don't know. There's just something that makes me super happy to hear this. Like, and then my favorite part, though, is, like, there's that, like I mentioned... I guess Chinese-ish theme level, which has got like the most slightly racist music. I mean, I don't know. So, as much as I love some of the soundtrack, uh, I would say like it's hit or miss. Um, I think the game is kind of hit or miss. It's an oddity. It 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 isn't really in the vein of what a you know the spirit of like a typical Mario game. But honestly, I've always kind of felt that that was the best of the three Mario games. Um, cause you've got this one, you've got Super Mario Land 2, the six golden coins, which everyone loves. And they think that Super Mario Land, the first one is the weird one. But if you look at really what's in Super Mario Land, that game is bonkers, like so much more bonkers and off base of what a Mario game is than this one. Um, and then the third one, Super Mario Land 3 was the first Wario game. So I, I guess it, it, to me, if I'm looking back, I think Super Mario Land is probably the most traditional games on the original Game Boy in the Mario series. So yeah, and I I played through it again. I beat it. It's a twenty minute game, maybe thirty minutes, uh, and I loved it. And I still thought it was great. But curious to see what you guys thought. Yeah, I I liked it quite a bit. There's definitely some uh, limitations to the Game Boy that can't give you the full Mario experience. I don't think like the Fire Flower. I don't know if you noticed. Like if when you shoot it, it's like it goes out like three pixels in front of you. So if you're gonna shoot a guy like right next to you without you know the ricochet, you gotta be he's gotta be right mm-hmm. on you. Which seems like it's a, a lot tighter window for that. The side-scrolling levels I thought were pretty cool. Just kind of like shooting blocks to get through things. That's interesting in a Mario thing because you don't really... There's not a lot of block breaking on a you know horizontal line. But the thing with that, like it seemed like you could only have like two or three bullets out at a time. So you couldn't really spam. Right. Not like you needed to either. Those levels are pretty easy. Overall, this game is pretty easy, I would right. say. I'd agree. Um probably maybe the first glimpse of like what modern Mario games do now where it's like, Oh, you can beat the level easily, but if you really want to challenge, you have to get the coins and stuff like that. Kind of the, the goals of every level where you have to make a couple more challenging jumps just to get up to the top goal. I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit for kind of being a somewhat off brand Mario. But like you said, I think it is the closest to Mario out of Mario Land. I just, I wish kind of that they kept Mario Land weird. <laughs> like the 3DS one and the, the Wii U one aren't that weird. Right. Well, and one thing that I guess, I don't know how you guys played it. I played it on the Game Boy um, player for the GameCube. One thing I should mention is that um, this game has like some fierce blurring on the original Game Boy uh, screen blur. that makes it quite a bit more difficult to like play that already like dim and greenish screen. But, I mean, like you said, limitations of the system at the time. Yeah. Plus, it was like, this had to been the first one that Miyamoto wasn't a part of. Yeah, right? I think so. And I think that's why people think it's weird, because of it, you know? Yeah. Yes, I guess uh, I enjoyed it. It it felt, you know, kind of like traditional Mario. The biggest thing that bothered me was, like, I emulated it on my uh, Raspberry Pi. And I don't know if it was the ROM or what that I got, but it was the coloring it was like an orangish yellow and i'm pretty sure the game boy like i never had a game boy actually 
But that that wasn't orangish yellow color on that, was it? No, it was like four shades of green. Yeah. But I wonder if like the if they guessed that kind of like guessing the palette yeah. was that for those first ones because those were like pyramids and sand, you know. Right. I could see that. But it was like everything, like even the the plants that were coming up were for me. I don't know. Could have just been the ROM I got too, I suppose. But um, and then also the music. The only music I heard was the first one, and that played on every track. So when I got to the the map that had the different like what Chinese stuff on it, I thought the game was just blurring because it had the same music as the prior one. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't really know what was happening there. But now that you explain that, it makes more sense because it was symbols and stuff. So. Or their letters or whatever. I don't know. But overall, I actually really enjoyed the game. I was really confused at first when I shot the fireball because it didn't fly the pattern that I thought it should. Yeah, and it just bounces off into nowhere, right? Yeah, so like I, I missed a bunch right away until I realized the pattern. And then I was following one, and it bounced up and started hitting coins. So I thought I was losing coins because it was destroying them or something. Realizing that now they it actually grabbed them for me, but... Overall, I actually really enjoyed the game. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought it was good. My my sister lost my childhood copy like somewhere in my youth, so I ended up rebuying a loose card version of that from Software Etc. before they were <clears throat> rebranded for like $20 at like my sophomore year of college. So I definitely am a fan of that game. I paid <laughs> way too much for it a second time. But now, so we've gone through the games, we've all kind of discussed them. Now is the time when we get down to the hard facts of if you would buy, rent, or burn each of these, you know, how do you rate them? Um, Andy, we started with Growl first, so it's only fair that you give us your verdict to kick this off. Sure. I just want to say how lame it is that you bring a Mario game compared to everybody else. <laughs> but to be fair, it's the one that everybody hates. I thought I was... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be more original next time. <laughs> you, you have a point. <laughs> no, it's... I think it was a good pick because it, like you said, it is, it is kind of like the redhead mm-hmm. Mario, right? My wife's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> so yeah, my buy is probably going to be Growl. I was expecting to that to not be. When I looked at this list, I'm like, that's going to be either rent or burn. But when I started playing it and got all the way through the ridiculousness of that game, uh, just for that experience, I'm going to have to say that was a buy. If I played it like four t- four more times, probably burn it. But second, my rent is probably going to be Super Mario Land. I think it actually fits the word rent pretty well too, because it is such a short game. I do enjoy Super Mario Land too, just because of that reason alone. It's more of a complete game. I think a lot more going on to it, you know, in in that regard. But yeah, still very solid game. One I would out of all of these, I would probably play that more. And then my burn is going to be bionic commando and not because i think they're ambitious in what they were trying to do with that game it was just the wrong place at the wrong time with that game for me i think it worked for a lot of other people and a lot of other people got through the shortcomings of the system and found out you know what kind of game was behind it but for me even after all these years it's just not happening yep how about you justin all right um kind of stuck on this i want to go grow but only if there's you can have two players. <laughs> Just because it's, it's not a game that I would want to sit and, and play by myself, I guess, a bunch. But if the, if you could have two players, which I don't know if you can on the console version or whatever, 
then I would do that as my buy. But just because I'm not sure, I'm going to go with Super Mario Land as my buy. And I'm going to do Grow as my rent. Sadly, I'm going to burn <laughs> the game I brought. Um, not because <laughs> I don't like it. Because these other two beat it. Makes sense. It's really sad that, I mean... Bionic Commando has to be sit next to Shadow <laughs> Blasters. I How know. dare you? Don't you ever draw that comparison. <laughs> the same people who made that made Pepsi Man. They shouldn't have even mentioned in the, mentioned in the same sentence as Bionic Commando. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I kind of thought coming into this week, after playing these games... Surface level, I was going to selfishly stick with mine, Super Mario Land, but uh, Growl. Growl is my buy. That is such a bonkers game, and it's just... I could totally see that being something that you'd want to own just to pop in and show somebody, just to watch the reaction to the absurdity that is Growl. And, you know, the underlying gameplay is solid enough that I could see picking it up and playing every once in a while. Outside of that, is it the greatest game ever? No. But there's also never been a game that I play that is more ridiculous and just enjoyable. For the short time, you can pick it up and play it. So Growl wins for me on the buy. I would I would rent Super Mario Land as much as I love it. One of my favorite games of all time. Um, I'd kind of agree that the length keeps it well-suited for the rent category. It'd be easy to pick that up, play through it, you know, send it back, and then pick it up in a, in a year again if you wanted to re-rent it in that situation. And then, of course, my burn. It's unanimous on this one. Again, Bionic Commando. It's a Capcom game. I hate doing that to a Capcom game. Um, but it's one that I just can't get behind. You know, I know there's a lot of big fan base for it, but mechanics-wise, it's just it's too clunky and it's not for me. So, buy, rent, burn. We all we all torched by on a commando. I didn't want to. Well, I, honestly, I don't think any of these are what you would say, quote unquote, bad games. I think they're all. Right. So it's kind of a tough call. You know, there's an argument to make for even by on a commando. <laughs> so with that, uh, we'd like to hear what you would think you would take in this category of buy, rent, burn. Is it Growl, Super Mario Land? And, of course, you're going to burn Bionic Commando. But we'd like to hear that opinion and the votes at weekendpodcast.com. There's a section there for buy, rent, burn. Got all three games lined up. You can pick your uh, category and submit it, and your vote will be counted, and that will be up until July 21st. So... Get those votes in. We'd like to hear what you say. And then our next uh, podcast, we're going to go over them, I think. Nice. Star star. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that concludes episode number two, the highest numbered podcast episode to date for Weekend Rental. Um, and with that, Justin, why don't you take us out? All right. So we got the website where you can do the buy, rent, burn voting. It's uh, weekendpodcast.com. We also got email. Uh, we got weekend rental podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on facebook weekend rental podcast and twitter would be at weekend rental pc um, you can also find the podcast on itunes google play and stitcher as always be kind rewind my name is elisa and i'm a snarfer my name is tj and I'm a snarfer. My name is Holly, and I am a snarfer. Hi, my name is Jim Seidel. I'm the owner and founder of Snarf Sandwiches. Welcome to Snarf's World.